0: Please keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourselves, and enjoy. Hello, lovely humans. I'm Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share intimate details about our intimate interactions in an effort to improve sex lives everywhere. And my guest today on the podcast, I am very, very excited to introduce to you, Carson Tuller. Hi. Welcome. I'm
1: excited to be here. I'm
0: so excited to have you. Um, okay, for our guests who don't know you already, can yeah. you give us a little intro about who you are?
1: Yeah, my name is Carson Tuler, and I am a 29 year old living in Brooklyn, New York with my boyfriend. I just moved here about three months ago to live with him. I use he him pronouns. I identify as gay. I am a wheelchair user So we'll probably talk about this at some point. But I was in a a trampoline accident that broke my neck five, almost six years ago. So I'm quadriplegic, use a wheelchair, have most of the function in my upper body still. Mm -hmm. Some people wonder why I say I'm quadriplegic when I have use of my arms. Mm -hmm. And that's because you're quadriplegic if you have paralysis in all four limbs so my hands are partially paralyzed Mm. so but other than my hands i have most of my upper body use do you want some background
0: i would love whatever you feel is important for us to understand context about your beliefs and stories i'm really interested to talk about your growing up mormon yeah
1: (laughs) perfect because that is so much informed my process with sexuality, with yeah. my sexual orientation. Because you
0: were the first person on this podcast who grew up Mormon. Yes.
1: Okay, perfect. Yeah, so I grew up Mormon in a military family. Oh, what so, branch?
0: I was Air Force. Yeah, Air Force. Oh, yep. wow.
1: Yeah, so I moved every three years. and Active duty. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up in like nine different states. Whoa. Just from age one to... I think we eventually got to Utah where we stayed for my high school years when I was like 16. So, But up until that, yeah, moving a ton and very religious, conservative family.
0: How many siblings do you have? Five. Okay. And where do you fall in the birth order? Number two. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Who's older than you?
1: My older brother.
0: How much older?
1: He is three and a half years older. So
0: what... If anything, were the conversations about sex like in your family growing up? Like, did you ever hear about it?
1: Yeah, we did. So one of the interesting dynamics about my family is that my dad is a clinical psychologist. Mm. So we have like this conservative religious background. And I have a father who knows all about the social sciences and research and... Kind of like healthy practices about destigmatizing certain things. Yeah. And so there was always this interesting balance or yeah, dynamic of having a conservative background and this not so conservative background. Yeah. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. Well, I'm as I'm sitting here, I'm thinking about well, I'm wondering how much did you guys talk about feelings growing up? Because it sounds like there's like in my family, there's kind of that conservative, sweet Midwestern vibe, and we only talked about like nice feelings. And it's not like they were like hiding any deep, dark things, but sure. there just wasn't like uh, I want to say emotional intelligence. I hope my family doesn't listen to this, <laughs> but I mean, you know, there, we didn't have totally. we didn't have like a clear language for discussing mm-hmm. emotions growing up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that because of my dad mm-hmm. and the way he is, and, and I think also his education, we did have pretty open conversations about emotions. Communication was always something that was encouraged. And so we talked about feelings, we were allowed to get angry, we were allowed to express a lot of love. There was a lot of, um, I have a really good relationship with everyone in my family, really healthy relationship. Mm-hmm. And my dad was always you know physically affectionate with me in terms of hugs and kisses and yeah a level of comfort and kind of healthy good affection between you know like a son and a father right because you know I mean sometimes growing up there was this you know especially as like a gay son there was sometimes this narrative about like gay kids not having enough love, enough love mm-hmm. from their fathers mm-hmm. right and so then they were missing that and they ended up gay because of that and I always had this sense of like security because my father was just so great with us and he never gay shamed me and I could be into anything I wanted, you know. That's amazing. Will you
0: tell us a little bit about your relationship to coming out or if you want to tell your your story about coming out or what it was like in your family?
1: Yeah, we didn't have a lot of conversations about gayness in my family. All I knew is that gay people existed. I knew that the LDS Church, which is another name for the Mormon Church, mm-hmm. the LDS Church had a really strong place in the fight against same-sex marriage. Right when I was coming out, mm. and yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was actually living in California when okay. all of that happened.
0: And about how old were you at the time?
1: I was thirteen That's... or fourteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the LDS Church also had a clearly written document called The Family, A Proclamation to the World about uh, gender identity, sexual orientation, and the importance of heteronormative relationships. Oh. So Mormon theology is very heterocentric mm-hmm. to achieve, and so I'm giving you this context because yep. it informs kind of the trauma <laughs> around coming out mm-hmm. and not fitting into the system doctrinally. So in order to attain like the highest level of exaltation in the LDS faith you have to be married to a member of the opposite sex mm-hmm. and sealed in a temple and so that immediately precludes your you know your ability yeah. to get to heaven if you don't want to do that or if it feels disingenuous or Wrong to be in a relationship with someone of the opposite sex, right? So we say you have to be, to become like God, which is the goal, to achieve your greatest potential. You have to enter into a heteronormative relationship.
0: How did it feel to grow up hearing that over and over?
1: I mean, I was so far in denial Mm. as a little gay kid that I just knew that that was how things had to be okay and every once in a while there was this talk about people who had tendencies quote unquote Mm -hmm, right mm -hmm.
2: and these Mm -hmm. people with
1: tendencies were not necessarily gay they were like straight people who had like these gay tendencies right and so that allowed me to be like oh i'm one of those people who happens to be experiencing some homosexual feelings and it's something I can totally get through and navigate so that I can still achieve my greatest spiritual potential and be like my father in heaven. <sighs> yeah. So everything growing up, especially when I hit puberty and I started falling in love with men. Yeah. And I started like actually experiencing physiological arousal toward like male anatomy. Mm-hmm. hmm the focus of my life was diminish all of those feelings to the extent that I could
2: mm.
1: and overcompensate spiritually to make sure that I was always on track with God so I could survive spiritually. Wow. Yeah.
0: Holy cow.
1: Yeah. It was it was an obsession. And I became perfectionistic and made sure that I was excelling in everything. And especially spiritually, I just was like, a zealot yeah. in a lot of ways. But, I mean, like, I was a really good-hearted zealot. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Super kind and super loving and super, I mean, engaged in what I felt like was the most important kind of connection between people. Oh, I loved yeah. people and also knew that there was this one track to, to making it to heaven, essentially. Yeah. And that just couldn't include anything gay.
0: So... With that information for context, mm-hmm. how in the world did, did you then decide as a 13- or 14-year-old to to decide to come out?
1: Yeah. Oh my, well, so I didn't actually come out at that age. That was when
0: you started noticing?
1: That's only when I started noticing. Okay. okay. You know, like, that super characteristic.
2: Unavoidable. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, something's happening. Wants, yes. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, a certain 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 guy friends that I had who had matured more quickly and mm. had more stereotypically masculine features. Yeah. Like bigger muscles, broader shoulders, a little bit hairier. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mm. <laughs> right? When you're like a uh, hairless little 13-year-old, yeah. you're like, wow, you're so manly. And then you have these weird feelings. And you're like feeling guilty, but also they feel really healthy and good. And... Yeah. So, yeah, 13, 14 was when I started to feel that I was also doing everything within my power not to masturbate. At all? At all.
0: Is that from the church?
1: There is guidance given that we shouldn't arouse sexual feelings in ourselves or others until we're married
0: oh. in the Mormon faith. Yeah. Even in yourself.
1: But even in yourself. Yeah. Okay. Now, in terms of disciplinary action around masturbation, that kind of becomes unclear. Right. Some of your right. leaders will say, okay, This is how we're going to proceed. Some will use some kind of like church discipline. Some won't. And that looks like taking away privileges or things like that. So that part's not unclear. It is clear that we weren't supposed to be masturbating. Wow. That's (laughs) so hard. (laughs) So hard. Yeah. Because, you know, all of these new feelings are budding and I'm seeing changes in myself. Yeah. So I was doing also everything within my power to avoid masturbation, especially because Anything involved with masturbation or physical arousal also included men. Of
0: course, yeah.
1: (laughs) Naturally, as a gay person, right? Of course. As a gay man. And so I was trying to save off any, like, arousal. Mm -hmm. And also trying to, like, avoid any of the feelings that were, like, centered around men. And there was one time I remember looking up something on the internet and feeling super guilty. I never saw anything because I... Um, didn't, I didn't know about like safe searches and I didn't know about, you know, (laughs) private browsers. Yes, exactly. All of the.
0: I don't know if those even existed back then, like
1: when we were that little. Right. (laughs) I have no idea. I don't remember. All I know is I didn't use them. Same. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt so guilty and I went, I went on a walk and I was like, mom, I have to tell you something. Mm. We were walking down like the dark street in california i remember it so clearly and just feeling so much shame and said like i am feeling attraction to men and i don't know what to do about it and i looked something up but i didn't really see anything but i kind of wanted to and i actually don't even remember my mom's response very well
0: that's incredible that you shared that with her do you remember how old you are? were I,
1: yeah i was so i was like 13 14 okay. the same age yeah And also was sharing, like, and I've been having, like, some feelings and sometimes, like, I've had, like, I've touched myself or aroused that in myself and I'm so ashamed. And then, like, she she doing the best that she could was like, well, why don't we talk to the bishop, you know, and kind of figure that out. And so we went from there. I talked to the bishop. He happened to be pretty rigid in terms of, like the church discipline, so I wasn't permitted to take the sacrament for, like, a month, which is kind of considered the path to repentance, ironically. What? Yeah, so... And and I'm not trying to, like, be inconsiderate or unkind no, to people who no. still practice, you know. Like, all of my family members do. Yeah. You know. um, this is
0: also stuff that, like, I have mormon friends but don't know the intricacies of the faith and so it's yeah. it's really interesting to hear because it provides such powerful context for reasons why people might not come out or might yes might get into really dark places exactly especially when, as queer people, as queer people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially mm-hmm.
1: yeah mm-hmm. and so I skipped the sacrament, which was just so shaming for me. Yeah. Because I'm just like this little kid, and I was probably in bed on my stomach, rubbing my penis against the mattress or something. Yeah.
0: Which, like by the something way, super basic. Yes, and so many children discover that before they have any context for sex. The oh, more totally. that I'm talking to people, it's like we didn't. We're just touching tingly parts, you know. Yeah.
1: Yes. It was so tingly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so tingly.
1: <laughs> and so I felt that, and then I realized, you know, it's like, why, well, you know. I mean, it's like basic classical conditioning or whatever it is. You like press a button and you get a particular feeling and then you're like, that feels great. Why would I not do that again?
2: Yeah.
1: So had some disciplinary action, which actually, I think, set the stage for just like the shame around sex. Yeah. Now, it's important for me to say, like, not all church leaders in the Mormon faith will proceed in the same way with something around this, like I mentioned earlier. Okay. But this particular bishop did for me. And so then it was like, okay, I'm going to get clean and just, like, not do anything wrong, not have any thoughts. And we didn't really talk about the same-sex attraction part. Okay. Or the gay
0: Really? So it was more about touching yourself? Yeah, it was more
1: about touching myself. And he kind of – I do remember just glossing over it barely and him saying, you know, it's not uncommon for people to have these kind of feelings Mm -hmm. and – it doesn't mean that you're gay or it doesn't mean anything in particular.
0: Well, I do think he's right there. The more people I talk to, I've met so many men who privately share with me, not on the podcast, but like <laughs> in messages and emails, that yeah. there is curiosity around other men. But because stigma is and they identify as straight or at least romantic, Yeah. But uh, I think the bishop's right on there.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if he himself, he was a very gentle,
0: mm.
1: you know. Not that we can stereotype Mm -hmm, certain mm -hmm, attributes mm -hmm. or characteristics, but I would not be surprised if he himself was speaking from experience. Let's just say that. Yeah. And so then there was kind of like this stretch of maybe five or six years where I was just like doing great. And I was excelling in school. I was no longer feeling super guilty about things, mostly because I was being perfect. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And no
2: pressure.
1: I would, yeah, exactly. For a teenager, just yeah. <laughs> and um, mostly being successful about just kind of avoiding and boxing up any attraction to men mm-hmm. until high school, and yeah. then I started to fall in love with some of my closest friends, mm-hmm. and I framed that love as being like really wholesome and a spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. But it was also confusing when I had, like, a raging boner.
0: Totally, totally, yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm like, wow, we met before this life, and I had, like, a, you know, uh-huh. raging heart <laughs> on it in my pants. <laughs> Trying so hard to, like, be good still and yeah. make it right? Like, put it into a framework that could be safe for me and made me feel like I wasn't going to hell. Yeah. Also, whenever I would have something like these feelings come up, I would immediately, like, pray hard. I would set goals, like, okay. The last time that happened, I saw like, I distinctly remember there was this kid in high school walking up the stairs who had incredible calves. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, like that it was super, super arousing and really turned me on. Yeah. And then thinking, wow, I can't look at calves anymore. like oh. Stuff like that, you know, like I had not looked at porn ever. Yeah. Wow. And almost never masturbated. I mean, there were a few times where I like, had slipped up. How did you um, feel
0: when those slip ups happened?
1: Oh, just like horrible. There's mm-hmm. so much shame. But there was less shame around the masturbation and those slip-ups than for the, like, the gay pieces okay. because those were the things that were just so, so, so scary because yeah. they were tied to identity Yeah, while the masturbation was just like an action I messed up. Right. right.
0: Tied to identity and also your eternal soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like,
1: just like no pressure. No, no exactly. Yes.
0: Your friends and the people around you, were most people that you experienced, like, good and trying to be perfect? Or were there other kids that were sort of, like, getting frisky with each other? Oh, totally,
1: yeah. There was a whole spectrum. There was someone, I think that I was very much on the most extreme side of the spectrum of Mm -hmm. just... Goodness. goodness And wholesomeness. (laughs) Sure. And then on the other side were kids who just, you know, were kind of like normal kids. Yeah. And they were doing things and they were having fun and they were getting whatever sexual experiences yeah. they wanted.
0: And they would still go to church and stuff?
1: Yeah. No. That it,
0: broke my brain when I was little. Like the hypocrisy of my fellow churchgoers. That's why I stopped going to church. Because okay. I was like we can't go to church and listen to these rules. And then you were drinking and fucking on the weekend. Like my brain exploded. And so I I was like, well, I don't want to be a liar. So I got to stop going to church.
1: Yeah. Which has so much integrity for you. I mean,
0: (laughs) I still didn't lose my virginity till I was 19. Not for lack of trying, but you know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There was the, from, from what I knew, the kids my age who were slipping up and having sex Mm -hmm would go through the proper channels to correct that. Okay. And so I could just be like, oh, they're just doing their thing and, you know, whatever. They're on their journey, I'm on mine. even though I was totally judgmental. And I was like, totally. why can't boys keep their hands off of girls? It's so easy, you know? Like, <laughs> you guys are all, like, spineless. You have no, like, willpower. <laughs> like, it's pretty easy. You guys are just a bunch of, like...
0: You guys can't see it, but he has his hand on his hip. and
1: looks very sassy. i was <laughs> <laughs> totally condescending. i was like, this is so easy. Yeah, you guys are yeah. so dumb. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh, the shields of judgment. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally. Exactly. Yeah. So... Falling in love with dudes, making goals, being like, okay, I can't look at this or that thing. I can't engage with men in this in that way. But I still you know, want to connect with them. I'm feeding myself spiritually yeah. at every turn. And so when you are a Mormon male, you are required to or expected to go on an LDS mission, mm-hmm. right? Where you go for two years and you preach the LDS gospel. You're an elder. You're an elder, yeah. And so I had all of my life to look forward to being a missionary Mm -hmm. and didn't have to worry about what was next, which was eternal marriage Mm. to a woman. Right. And so there's a particular kind of a general cookie-cutter sequence that not everyone goes through, but there's a general expectation. And it's graduate high school, maybe do a little bit of college, or just go straight on your mission. Come home, start dating, um, and find a wife if you're a man. And so... I didn't really have to worry about the whole gay piece of my journey until after my mission. So after high school, uh, mm-hmm, right, because, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. the mission was just this kind of suspended reality. Yeah, where one step at a time. Yeah. And I got to be, you know, I got to be with other men and I got to create intimate relationships with men. They yeah. weren't sexual, of course, but or in my case. Yeah. Some elders, I guess, slip up. But, sure. Right?
0: Question. You might hate this question. Yeah. How do you feel about Book of Mormon?
1: The musical. Uh, it is so funny. I okay. have, I laughed harder than I've ever laughed in my life. I watched it in Salt Lake City. Yeah.
0: Oh.
1: And so <laughs> it was what
0: was that crowd like?
1: Oh. Roaring.
0: Oh my god. It gosh. was out
1: of control. Oh right. My gosh. Because like oh. the the backstage is like down the street and what yeah. is it? Backstage, like the backdrop Yeah. Of Salt yeah. Lake City. Yes. Yeah. No, there's totally. A song called Salt Lake City so Oh my god. Just, <laughs> and I'm sure so many ex-members of the form and faith were in there right yeah.
0: so well, this
1: is so great
0: so you didn't have to worry about anything and yes. suspend, this suspended reality for a
1: little bit yeah and i would still have moments where i would like have feelings for another missionary or really connect really well mm-hmm. and want something more or i'd have a wet dream or mm-hmm. like little things like that that yeah. were out of my control i was
0: gonna say you cannot control the wet dream. yes
1: no no exactly and so I did talk to my mission president about it. He was really reassuring. He was like, "Keep doing what you're doing. Like, don't beat yourself up too much, and you know, keep your promises to God, and this all work out." And no so, pressure. No pressure. And so I did. I did great. I loved my mission. I grew a lot. Where did you go? As a human being, I went to Chile. Mm.
2: Yeah, oh, to gorgeous! Concepcion. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Wow. So loved it. Loved my experience. I came home, and it was time to start dating girls. I went to what's called a singles ward, which is a church congregation of only single people. And it's where you go. That exists? Yes, it exists. And it's so that, you know, you have opportunity to date and find people and get married. Wow. And you can stay in the singles ward until you're a particular age and then you go back to the family ward. Okay. So you can age out.
0: Oh, God. Oh, my God. Wait, what's the age?
1: I can't remember. I feel I, like
0: I would have aged out
1: already. I want to say it's 30. <laughs> But don't worry. I know. I know, I know, I know. It might be like 35. I don't know. Yeah,
0: let's say it's 35. 35. I haven't aged
1: out. You haven't aged out the (laughs) single sword. So, yeah, I I went to a single sword and still super in the closet. And I wasn't going on any dates with girls. Started to, okay, so pornography is also, has a really, really heavy stigma in the LDS faith.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I'm like, I have a mixed feeling about porn. So do I. There's ethical porn and then there's a bunch 100%. of real bad porn. So yeah. like, again. Yes. Bishops maybe aren't wrong always. <laughs> you know, like they got some good wisdom.
1: Totally. And I had seen people really close to me who had experienced where they were like viewing porn without telling their spouse or without. Mm disclosing that and it created huge upsets in the relationship yeah. and a sense of like being cheated on Yeah, when someone was actually it's a
0: trust violation.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. And so there was just a lack of transparency. And so I started to find myself getting closer and closer to getting into porn and looking mm-hmm. up stuff and I'd look up guys and, mm-hmm. and I was like, I don't want to have the same experience as these close loved ones that I've seen. I think I have to face this. And then the Mormon Church came out with a website called gaysandmormons.com. Like, it was like the LDS website for gays and Mormons. Or Mormons and gays, excuse me. And so it was all about members of the church who experienced same-sex attraction and who were still members of the church. This was like breakthrough. It was such a big deal. I went on there and listened to a few stories and listened to guys talk about how they were best friends with girls, went to school dances, and never came out and were totally gay. Mm. And identified as same-sex attracted, mm-hmm. and they use the acronym SSA mm. instead of saying gay. Yeah. So we'll say I experience SSA.
2: Yeah.
1: Or I struggle with SSA. Wow. Was the other common phrase, you know? And some of these men would get into mixed orientation marriages and they would, you know, marry someone like a a woman, a straight woman. Um, And some of them would just remain celibate and go on their own journey. Right. And so I found my story there. And I was like, this is literally me. And on one hand, it was it was unbelievably validating. Right. Because I was like, this all fits somewhere. All this whole experience has a name and a place and and a journey and a template. And I mean, when I say a template, like, right, it has a name. Yeah, (laughs) and you're not alone. Yeah. And it was also horrifying because it had a name. Yeah. And so I just finally, like, looked myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, this is my experience. Like, I don't know if, I, I didn't say I'm gay right from the beginning. I said, you know, I'm homosexual or because gay was too charged at the time still for me, started telling, I I told my parents, and I said, this isn't going away. I've been waiting for it to go away. Nothing's changing. I need to do something about it. I need to, like, incorporate this into my identity somehow. I can still be Mormon and still be gay. I can still be probably married to a woman and still be gay. Like, that was my goal. I was like, I will never leave my faith. And I just have to figure out where to put this and how to incorporate this.
0: When it came time to tell them, what was? Can you lay the setting for us?
1: Yeah, it was in my living room. I sat them down on the couch, and it was a pretty straightforward conversation like that. Saying, okay. "I know that we we talked about this a little bit in high school. Okay. I was attracted to guys. How old were you? I was twenty-two. Okay, probably." Mm-hmm. 21 or two, and said, you know, I'm attracted to men. I thought this would go away. It's not. And I'm just figuring out what to do, but I think I actually need to deal with this instead of just, like, avoiding it. And so my dad expressed a great amount of love. My mom expressed a great amount of love. And that was kind of, like, all we knew what to do at that point, right? Especially because I was not coming out saying, hey, I'm going to live the quote-unquote gay lifestyle piece to my tradition, my faith, and my background, and all of those things. I was saying, I experienced this, Mm -hmm. but I can still be part of the tribe. Wow. Yeah, right, which kind of like softened the blow for all of us. Yeah. So.
0: But still, holy cow.
1: Yeah. And they were, I mean, they were like supportive and kind and not shaming about it in any way. Yeah. It was like reassuring. And then I went on this year journey of starting to really look at the nitty-gritty of, mm-hmm. like, my faith and sexuality. And how
0: did you do that? Was it, like, research, talking to people, or just a lot of contemplation?
1: Yeah, a lot of contemplation, a lot of journal writing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of just brave step after brave step of willing to say, I want that. Yeah. So it would be like, I want want to be sexually close to men. I want to see men naked. I want to be... I want to have sex with men. You know? Like, just even saying those words, and I would tell myself, okay, it's like not a sin if it's something that I have a desire for, as long as I don't do it. So Mm. then I can be authentic right, to myself while not engaging in those activities. And then I got to a point where I said, you know what? I don't want to feel like i'm pathologizing one part of myself right and saying i have ssa right And struggling right. with ssa i want to say i'm gay because i want to be proud of like the whole package deal i feel like that's good for my identity and so i said i'm gonna start identifying as gay mm-hmm. you know and then that took a little bit for like my parents to get used to and for me to get used to and because the word gay was always synonymous with people who were engaging yeah In all things gay. (laughs) Yeah. Right. And so I found some other people who were kind of in the same space as me. One of my best friends, actually, from my mission, Mm -hmm. we came out to each other on our mission. We lived in the same house. Uh There were six elders who lived in the same apartment. And he and I would like stay up late and talked. And like one night we talked about like, our experience in high school and being bullied and being made fun of. And, like, we were both, like, well, I guess we both experienced this kind of same thing. Mm. And it was just, like, not explicitly said, but then it was, like, okay, we both are experiencing same-sex attraction, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. we put it. Wow.
0: How did it feel to admit that to another person? And was that the first time, other than talking to mm-hmm. your mom, was that the first, like, yeah. non family member you talked about it? with? Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. Or, felt, besides it the it bishop. It
1: felt safe, yeah, because— we were both committed to the same thing. Okay. Right? Yeah. And it was like a worthy cause by church standards.
0: Could you share where he is now in his journey? Yeah. We have
1: actually really paralleled our journeys. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing because we like both came home and we were both like, I was a little bit more spiritually zealous than he was. Okay. And I think that he had progressed more in his acceptance and understanding of his sexuality and that it was mm-hmm. a part of him than mm-hmm. I did because mm-hmm. I was more like, oh, this is like a Thing I deal with in a little sickness right. or something, and he was like less in denial. Let's say mm-hmm. that. And so, we both got back from our missions, and I was home like a little bit longer than he was, just enough time for me to come out. And then he came out when he got home, and we were talking to each other. And it was just like the same thing of like, okay, how do we deal with this with our parents? How do we deal with this with our faith? How do we try and like disentangle these things and or not right or stay true to the faith and every step along the way we were both kind of like we started to date around the same time we started to have sexual experiences around the same time and he has been and continues to be like just a fundamental piece of like my journey and um you know someone who's just like been there from the beginning that's awesome and like as an actual missionary in chile with me amazing yeah yeah Yeah, it was such a gift. And that whole year, I went from saying, okay, I'm going to marry a woman, be faithful in the church, Mm -hmm. to kind of saying, you know what, this just doesn't fit. I have never felt more authentic. I've never felt more good as a person, more productive, more like healthy. Did I ever say that? Like just as a human being. And everything that I know about God and everything that I was taught about God says that that's how I know something's good. Yes.
0: I I believe the same thing. By I was taught,
1: by their fruits, ye shall know them. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, how can this possibly be wrong when all indicators say that this is good and of God? Yeah. And so I started experimenting. And I would just, like, I would go out. And when I say experimenting, I mean, like, teeny steps. I went on a date for the first time. And I'd go back to church and be like, okay, do I sense, like, Any loss of light? Do I feel more dark? Do I feel evil? Do I feel like I've lost my way? And then I would like continue to meet more men. I would continue to embrace my sexuality and my identity. And it was like the light came back on and I just could not pretend that my spiritual experience was not leading me to my best self on this like path of having sexual relationships or romantic relationships at the time with men.
0: Were you in Salt Lake City at this time? Mm Mm-hmm. How did you go on dates there? Like, were you? Was there nervousness around public anything? Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There was. I was out enough at the time that I was like okay. ready to confront. Okay. Any, visibility. Okay. Um, but it was like Tinder essentially. Wow. Got on Tinder and just like swipe. I was actually with again this best friend when I like got Tinder for the first time and started matching with guys and I was like, oh my gosh. Someone swiped back. Like someone also <gasps> swiped. Like, yeah, they were getting the hey handsome. And well,
0: just... I, I was gonna say, can I ask you a question about your looks? <gasps> so you were so. You guys can't see him unless you're watching us on YouTube. Oh. Carson is very handsome.
1: <laughs> you're very kind. Of were
0: handsome. you objectified a lot, or how does like what are your what's your relationship to your looks?
1: Oh man, do you mean now or then? Both,
0: and like in the context of like being a sexual being too. Oh gosh. Okay Because that's like a huge thing. Yeah. So He's I He's very handsome.
1: <laughs> so that first year, and the reason I say that year is yeah. because I broke my neck at the end of that year. Oh fuck. I came yeah. out and broke my neck in the same year.
0: Holy fuck!
1: The big reveal.
0: <laughs> what a big year.
1: Oh my gosh. My entire identity in life was flipped upside down. Yeah. And I stopped, I had to kind of like Put my gay journey on ice in order to recover and survive as a freshly paralyzed man. Uh So I'm going to answer your question. So at the end of that first year, I was dating someone. And I was starting to get a feel for... Because I never identified as someone who was like... Like I never felt like I was good looking. I never felt like people were interested in me sexually Mm -hmm. growing up. And then at the end of that first year, I was starting to see some of... Like the interest, or even just having someone swipe right yeah. as well on Tinder was yeah. like unbelievable to me. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like this handsome man also yeah. thinks I'm handsome. Right? I, <laughs> I cannot believe this is real because yeah. I just never experienced that kind of validation growing up. I was yeah. never around other gay men.
0: Yeah, of course. And so, I or just, if you were, it was very like.
1: <laughs> exactly. Of course, I was around other gay men, but yeah. I was just like never. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. So. I was starting to feel like I was interesting. I was starting to feel that sense of wow, like maybe I am like a viable romantic partner that others would be interested in. And that is right when I got my spinal cord injury. Whoa. Right when I broke my neck. Holy fuck. I was just like halted everything. Cause I was 6'5, I was putting on a lot of muscle. I was working out harder. because suddenly I was like in the dating game and yeah. I was like, you know what? I for me, this is how I want to look. I was always an athlete. I was a swimmer. Yep. And so I was really, like, enjoying my physical self. Yeah. And then I went from six five and running every, everywhere I went in college and swimming and competing even yeah, to, like, sitting at five, one in a wheelchair in a hospital the next wow. day. Yeah. Um, and then just, like, losing all of like, my gains and also thinking, like, how do I live my life from a wheelchair? Yeah. What just happened? Yeah. And that was, like, the next chapter beginning.
0: So how did you? (laughs) How do you? So
1: I broke up with my boyfriend in the hospital because I just couldn't do all the things that's a lot of things just so much yeah and he was the best and is the best we're still very very close friends and i love him with my whole heart he's the best obviously like his broke his boyfriend broke his neck so he had a process too and so we ended it while i was in the hospital and i just focused on mostly just recovery Mm -hmm. i couldn't even think a lot about as much about the gay piece Mm -hmm. and so i just focused on my physical therapy. I did extra physical therapy. Like I broke records in the hospital because I was like that same kind of perfectionist kid that was like, wait, mm-hmm. what do I have to do to be a miracle? Right. Like, what do I have to do? Because so I was still very uh, faith driven yeah. in a traditional sense during that time. Mm-hmm. And so I was praying for a miracle. Mm. I actually had a visit from an apostle There are only 12 apostles in the entire LDS church. Mm -hmm. And they are in charge of, you know, ministering to the the whole world and all these countries. And one of the apostles found out that I was paralyzed in the hospital. And he came to visit me. What? Yeah. And he gave me a priesthood blessing, which is like where you invoke the power of God. Mm -hmm. And this was like, I knew this was my ticket into a miracle. Because like, I was like, if anyone... Uh, can do this you know we believe that an apostle has the same power as like peter yeah for example right who like his shadow healed people right in the scriptures and so i was like okay i like this is it i can you know and so we get in the room and he like gives me this blessing and it's beautiful and he encourages me to listen to like my by the way this is going to be relevant i promise yeah yeah. I'm, i'm with you he says, you know, like, follow the counsel of your therapist, your physical therapist, like, follow God's plan, do all of these things. And if you do, like, a full recovery is possible for you. And so I held on to those words for dear life. Yeah. Because I was 23. Yeah. And, right, like, what's at stake here is my able-bodiedness. Mm-hmm. I, was a, I was a flute player. I was like headed towards being a professional musician. That was like kind of my dream at the time. And my hands were paralyzed enough that I couldn't play anymore. I could no longer swim. I could no longer run. I could no longer do. I couldn't play the piano. Uh, I haven't talked about this for a second. Mm -hmm. But I lost everything that I had used to feel valuable. Yeah. And feel worthwhile and feel uh, productive in life.
0: Like a person, like your personhood was just like Mm
1: -hmm. yeah, yeah. If you write down a list of all the things that you say you are, and you say, you know, who is Carson Tuller? Yeah, I would have said all of these things that I did, and those things were no longer available to me, and I was so lost. Wow. Yeah, and that was like what was hanging in the balance here, and so. I kind of buckled down again spiritually, but I knew that I couldn't deny all of the goodness and the beauty that came from the gayness. Mm -hmm. Like I could not lie to myself and go back to being like, you know what? I'm just going to remain celibate and I'm good. Like it was such a lie to myself that I was, it was like, I would rather remain paralyzed the rest of my life and be true to who I love and how I interact with human beings. than have it the other way if yeah. I had to make a choice. right? But deep down, I was like, no, I know that this is the right path for me. I know this is God's path for me. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I should get the best of both worlds, right? Yeah. I should get to have, like, this authentic relationship and be healed. Yeah. And so over the course of that year, my faith really unraveled because with a spinal cord injury, the trajectory of your recovery really is set in the first few months and then kind of in that first year. Oh, wow. Basically, what you start to get back that first year is kind of the trend you'll see for the rest of your life. And so every day that passed that I didn't recover, that I watched someone in the hospital bed next to me start moving parts and having feeling in their toes or their legs or whatever, I knew it was less and less likely that I would ever Mm -hmm. feel my body again, ever walk again, ever have what I had. And I just thought, you know, if this isn't happening and I'm doing everything exactly the way I'm supposed to, how can any of that be true? And I also just didn't, I didn't have the bandwidth during all of my grieving to also find nuance in my faith to be mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, because at this point, I do know, I, I know that there are a lot of LDS members of the church who have a very nuanced belief right. system. Yep. Yep. and who can hold like these seemingly contradictory pieces and parts and right
0: which I find incredible yeah and me I too. really respect me
1: too yeah. absolutely and and I think that I, I mean I'm happy for people who can and who love to maintain their faith inside mm-hmm. all of that mm-hmm. and I just didn't have the bandwidth to do it. I really had to just be like you know what like I don't know who God is anymore. Yeah. I don't know what I believe anymore. I don't know what's right and wrong part of like Mormon faith is believing there's a resurrection where you get your body back exactly the way it was created Mm. to be. And so that was also a huge like grieving point, which was like the only hope I had for recovery and like this life after death where I could walk again is now. I mean, I don't know if it's true. Right. And so what if this is my new life Yeah. and I'm in a wheelchair for the rest of my life and paralyzed. And this is just my luck. And I'll die this way and it'll be over. And I, you know, grieved that. Yeah. Deeply. And so, like, my faith diminished there. And the reason I said this was all relevant is because, like, the change in my faith is what led me to be able to start exploring sexually mm-hmm. as a paralyzed mm-hmm. man. Mm-hmm. In a totally new body with, like, men for the first time, I never had sex as an able-bodied person. Wow. hmm
0: Did you ever make out with your boyfriend, your first boyfriend? Mm -hmm.
1: Okay, it's as far as we got. (laughs) We made out. Wow. Right. Wow. And I'm like pissed because I I could make out now.
0: Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, how will you speak a little bit about what that feels like and as much as you're comfortable
1: to the making out or Um, the your body body right now, yeah, and exploring. exploring exploring So people with spinal cord injuries have. Experience neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. where you have a change in your erogenous zones. Mm -hmm. So I lack sensation personally, Mm -hmm. right? Like here. Okay, so we're pointing to
0: sternum, top chest area.
1: Yep, yep. I have no sensation below this. Okay. I also lack sensation in half of my arms. So, like the bottom half? The bottom half, like the kind of like the soft, non top part. Okay. Right? So I tell people, like, if I was like sitting in a hole with my arms out on the surface, Everything you see, I can feel.
0: Wow. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. That's a great description.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so everything that's, I can feel that. And that has become super sensitive. Mm. So as I started experimenting with guys, like I had heard, okay, your ears are going to be sensitive. Your neck's going to be sensitive. Some people's collarbones are sensitive. I realized that making out was like a whole new experience and it was so much heightened sensation. And, um, yeah, I just, like, started there and yeah. kind of started exploring after that.
0: Could you share with us what some of the conversations with your partners were like around that exploration? Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. And if you have any advice for listeners who don't have experience or haven't done the research yet, like, what what's the best way to communicate? I mean, yeah. it's, it's very personal,
1: of course, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So maybe just share some yeah, of your Yeah, I... I I mean, so I started kind of by, like, dipping my toe in the water on, like, Grindr or mm-hmm. on Tinder. Mm-hmm. And so I would eventually be like, okay, so I'm in a wheelchair. And, you know, they would ask some questions. They'd be like, so can you get it up? Mm-hmm. Can you have sex? Can How you do you do feel about that things? question? I mean, in a sexual context, it's, like, totally fair. I, I feel like it's fair. <laughs> yeah. But, like, if you – if we have, like, a pretty normal conversation and you're like, hey, that's your sexual function? in the world yeah
0: people just do that
1: it's happening with gay men yeah mm-hmm. but yeah i i think that when it's asked really early in the conversation on social media yeah so it's like there would be like a little bit of a flirty vibe yeah but the question would come a little too early yeah is what i'll yep. say for sure yep. Yep. Okay. you know and like when we weren't even having a conversation about right. sex or a hookup or whatever um they were already saying like well can you get it up? Can you, can you still have sex? Okay. You know? And then I would have to like be like, yes. And a whole explanation of how things work, which I'm happy to share. Are you happy to? Great. I I
0: would love to hear it. And I think people would benefit from hearing it.
1: Okay, great. Yeah. So, okay. So I don't have sensation basically below my chest. I have spotty sensation through my right side, actually, Mm -hmm. a little bit of sensation in my toes and actually, you know, through my you kind know, like rectal area, anus area, I still have actually quite a bit of sensation that I didn't know I had mm. initially. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And that's not super uncommon because actually the anus is like the last thing on the spinal cord. Okay. And so they use it as like, and it, there's also like a lot of nerves around there, I mm-hmm. guess, like mm-hmm. nerve endings. And so they use it to test whether or not someone has sensation through the whole spinal cord. Okay. If you have sensation in your anus then there's something getting through the entire cord. Does
2: that make sense? Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So I can have an erection. I'll talk about erectile function first. Okay. So with the spinal cord injury, there are two different, well, for everyone, there's two different kinds of erections, but most men don't know that there are two different kinds because it all looks like one kind. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. And there's psychogenic arousal. And there is like just manual arousal. Mm -hmm. So psychogenic is like you're stimulated psychologically. Like you're thinking of something or you're looking at something or, right, even Mm -hmm. if like you're sitting next to someone and you're cuddling and there's that warmth and, right, you get an erection. All of that is, there's a nerve for that and it's Mm -hmm. paralyzed on me. So it no longer works. Okay. That being said, so I don't experience any physiological arousal when I look at porn. Okay. So it's essentially useless. (laughs) And that's a different conversation because it's a weird experience to be like, I know that's hot and attractive and great and everything I like. And it's just, like, not hitting.
0: Does it turn you on emotionally, like, in your feelings? No. Okay.
1: Only if there's, like, some kind of, like, romantic storyline. I just have stopped watching altogether or even looking at it because I'm like, eh, this is, like, lame. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so... It's like being able to like see food and be hungry for food and you can smell food, but then you eat and you can't taste it. And it never makes you fall.
0: I'm probably going to make a reference that people are going to roll their eyes at. But if you watch the first Pirates of the Caribbean, Uh Jeffrey Rush has this whole thing. I feel nothing, not the wind on my face, not the touch of a woman's hand. Like that's it.
1: That's what it reminds me of. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know that there's a certain something available, but it just never hits. So with that being said, I do experience manual erectile function. So okay. with manual stimulation, like touching or pulling, right, I can get a voter.
0: Is that fun for you? Yeah. Okay,
1: cool. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> great. Right? Yeah. Like, it works. And it's functional. Right? Okay. And so that works. And it's also, like, you know, during a intimate moment, like, I know that I can instruct people to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, I, yeah, and that it works that way. And yeah. I also let them know... Then the way I'm telling you right now, I'm like, I'm not going to be having an erection while we're making out. And you should not take that as any sign of my participation or interest in this experience. Yeah. Because I'm with other men. Right. Other gay men. Yeah. And they're used to seeing a boner or like an erection as the sign of, okay, we're going. This is going well. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I said, you're not going to have that for me
0: there also are studies in come as you are they talk about non-concordance sexual non-concordance and like you can be aroused in your brain and it's much more common in women to have the emotional arousal without the physical arousal yeah but there is a small percentage of able-bodied men like you know people Mm -hmm. that are fully in all their parts what's the correct way for me to say this
1: yeah able-bodied okay or non-disabled people okay
0: um in the study it was such a tiny percentage but there are a few of them out there just got just it. a fun fact That's... go read come as you are by emily nagoski it's my favorite
1: <laughs> i love that perfect yeah yeah and so it's just me communicating and yeah. saying this is what you can expect it's not an indication and then i would also tell them you know and this is during like my experimenting phase where i would have mm-hmm. like hookups or like anonymous hookups even like oh. I, I got very brave and i was like you that know is what? very brave like I am not going to let my spinal cord, I had some angry moments where I was like, you know, I'm not going to let my spinal cord injury keep me from getting out there and being sexually active and having these experiences. And I'm going to let people take me or leave me as I am. And so. Wow. <laughs>
0: I, because I will say I am just now starting to do that just at all. Like I just started online dating I, and I'm, I find it terrifying. Yeah. Just at all.
1: Yes. It was so terrifying. Yeah. And I was so embarrassed about the chair for a long time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would have to have conversations with people about like who's hosting, and I'd have to be like, oh. if you have stairs, you gotta piggyback me up. Are you okay with that? Like <laughs> a stranger, right? Wow. Now I will I will say that I didn't almost ever have like fully anonymous hookups where I was like totally vulnerable. Generally people that I knew because like not having any physical yeah, function makes me particularly vulnerable. Totally.
0: Right? Yeah, you have to be exactly. regular.
1: So yeah, and I was. I was.
0: Safety plug. If you are going to meet a stranger that you've met on a dating app, please, 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 text a friend. Text three friends the address where you're going mm-hmm. and when they can expect to hear from you, and just try to do the shout outs.
1: That's perfect. No, it's so perfect. And most of these were like actually like make out hookups because it was really satisfying for me, and I didn't feel like I needed to go farther. Mm-hmm. And so most of my experimenting was, like, social experimenting. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, how are people going to react to me now? Yeah. Well, are, are people going to be super turned off by this? By, like, so, like, at the time, I've done, I have a device now that makes my legs, like, I can exercise my legs now. Whoa. It's not voluntary. It's, like, electrical stimulation. Yeah. So yeah. I don't do anything. Yeah. But I have muscle mass in my legs. At the time, I had really skinny, small, bony legs mm-hmm. and a really bony butt. Yeah. And I was like, is this going to be a problem for people? Like, I hear gay men talk about big butts all the time. Like, mm. am I not going to... Do they?
0: What do they say about big butts? I mean, you know,
1: like... I don't know how this a, goes. A big butt... Like, like, having a big like a fat ass is... Like, <laughs> big muscle ass, I guess, is like the stereotype Okay, for, okay. You know? Like, a, a good bottom or something. Yeah, Tony I mean,
0: hasn't talked much with butts about me explicitly. and He's my best... Like, okay, okay. I just always like to know the details.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, again... Like, these are some stereotypes and also yeah. they're not necessarily it's healthy, yeah. <laughs> right? To say this is what a good bottom does or looks like.
0: But just collecting the facts so we can get the full exactly. range.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so i would heard, like, people say, like, wow, he's got amazing. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, if I'm bottoming, I don't know how this looks or yeah. feels or is, right? And I hadn't even got there at that point. Right. I was just mostly making out and kind of doing some other stuff, but... Yeah, so I started to see that it didn't deter people mm-hmm. as much as I thought it would. Mm-hmm. And I just had to be very thoughtful about accessibility. Mm-hmm. I also shared and I'm like, sorry, I'm kind of all over the place. This is no, this is great. I'll go back to my physiological explanation because when it came to yeah, ejaculation, yeah. Yeah. I don't experience ejaculation anymore in the same way. If I have a vibrator, and it can just be like a like a vibrator that a woman uses, mm-hmm. if I just like put that on my penis. Mm-hmm. I can ejaculate, mm. like, very reliably. Cool. And it's mostly for fun. So, yeah. and, and when I say for fun, it's like I don't experience the same physiological sensation right. of orgasm along with an ejaculation anymore. It's okay. pretty, like, clinical. Okay. I have, like, my blood pressure goes up. I kind of get flushed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels, like, generally good, mm-hmm. but it's not an orgasm. Okay. So I would tell them that. Okay. And then I would tell them, I'm going to climax via my neck and my ears, most mm-hmm. likely. And so, just so you know, that's where, like, the goods are and where things need to happen.
0: You are the first male-bodied person who has shared with me orgasms via neck and ear stories. Perfect. I really stupid, but, like, yeah. Yeah. Because I've heard many stories of female-bodied people who can climax from this region. Yes. And you were the first male-bodied person to share that.
1: Okay, I will tell you that when I hear about female-bodied individuals talk about orgasm, Mm -hmm. it sounds so much like what I experience now, like so 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 similar. I don't know if it is. But we we can't know. We we will (laughs) never
0: actually know. Like in the same way that I will never know what it's like for another female-bodied person to actually have an orgasm. We're like, are we saying like that's green? Is it really green? Do we
1: see the same? Totally, exactly, yeah, Yeah. totally. So what I've realized about my sexual function is, and I would kind of tell them this to varying degrees depending on their, like, receptivity, Mm -hmm. and whether or not I felt like I really needed to. Yeah.
2: Because some people
1: were a lot more intuitive, and some people were really willing to, like, totally explore in unconventional ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so I'll experience, like, arousal through, like, touching, or Mm -hmm. kissing, or nuzzling, Mm -hmm. or anything around my neck, and then it all gets so, so, so much more intense around my ears. Mm -hmm. And it's like a slow climb. Okay. It's a pretty slow build and having had normal orgasms before, it's just not quite the same. Okay. As when I would like ejaculate. You Is know? it
0: possible? I ask people this question a lot and it may not be possible. Is it possible to articulate the actual bodily feeling? Yes. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. It feels like there's like sunshine in my veins. <gasps> <laughs> Wow. (laughs) Okay, so it's like, but it will like be varying degrees. So at first, like I'll start to feel it actually in like my legs, which the only thing I feel in my legs, like ninety percent of the time is is pain. I have like nerve pain from my spinal cord injury.
0: Like just on the regular, like right Uh, now. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yes, right now. So it's just like, like it's like a four out of ten of just like this constant kind of like little burn, simmering needles, pins and needles feeling. Okay. Yeah. And I've just, like, learned that that's going to be a part of my life. And it doesn't distract me enough that I don't, you know what I mean, I can, like, live my life around I
0: personally don't. (laughs) And holy fuck. Wow. And I hear you.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, and that's why feeling in my legs something Mm -hmm. different is just, Mm -hmm. like, the best.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, replace it with sunshine. Or just add some sunshine. (laughs) Yeah, so it'll be, like,
1: gradual and it'll start being, like, more intense. Yeah. And more intense and we're intense, and it can get, it'll get to a point where it's kind of like, the way I would explain it is, like, it's, it's so close to this, like, line of, it's, like, euphoria, and the sense of, like, unbearableness, Mm -hmm. that's almost, it's not painful, but it's, like, I sometimes, like, involuntarily, like, recoil or pull Mm -hmm, away when mm -hmm. it gets too sensitive, Mm -hmm. or I'm, like, I need, like, 10 seconds and then you can go back yeah yeah yeah. but eventually it'll get to a place where like my whole body is just kind of like feels like it's glowing yeah and the best thing about my (laughs) spinal cord injury is that i can hold on to that kind of climax for as long as i can bear it it will not peak ever and so Okay, the uh,
0: question everyone's gonna wanna know is like what's the longest? Have you ever timed it?
1: I never, That's I've a never boring timed question, but that is amazing. The the, the line the, the line of when I reach it is kind of blurred a little bit. Sure. Right. Good point. Oh um, my gosh. But I can like stay there for like fifteen minutes and just like sit do, there.
0: With the stimulation, like yeah, you, and it you're has communicating ongoing, with the partner. Totally. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do you communicate about that? Like, do you say keep going or you... Yeah,
1: I'll okay. say keep going or I'll say, I need you to take your hand or your mm-hmm. finger, like fingernails, mm-hmm. and just, like, put it right here. Mm-hmm. Like, on my
2: head. Okay. Cool. Like, just
1: add some stimulation. That's or amazing. sometimes, like, I need, like, a little bit of something, like, more, like, uh, abrasive. Yeah. Like, beard or yeah. a little bit of... Uh, something happens to my scalp. So, like, I'll I'll be getting... Okay, so for the record, like, I currently have a boyfriend, Mm -hmm. and we're in a monogamous close relationship. Mm -hmm. And so the only time I'm experiencing this is with him. Yeah. And he is so proficient. she sounds awesome. Ah. At all of this, more than I've ever experienced in my whole life, right? Mm -hmm. It's just, like, perfect. And so I feel very, very fortunate. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, we've also learned together, right? But what I do need is, like, we get closer and closer is, like, having the fingernails like go up my scalp while I'm getting my ears stimulated or worked on or whatever is what will like take it to the the top. And then we'll just like stay there for as long as I can. And it sounds stupid, but like sometimes – I like get this sudden urge to like cry. Yes, very, no, very, very often. that makes
0: total sense to me okay, because yeah. it's a it's a physical release, and you're also doing so much building. And I just have to say, this level of specific communication is something that it's the reason this podcast exists. Because yeah. I, my entire life, I'm sort of like, okay, I don't have the language tools. I'm still becoming more mindful about what's actually happening in my physical body mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. trying to put that into words that I can understand for myself sure. and then trying to actually say them out loud to another person
1: mm-hmm.
0: in the moment is something I still struggle with Yes, in a huge
1: way. Yeah, and I realized early on that if I was going to enjoy my experience with sexuality that I had to be very directive.
0: How did you learn how to be very directive or did you just I do just it? knew because okay. I wasn't getting okay. any
1: pleasure yeah you know so like i would i just had more interest in me as a top Mm -hmm, (laughs) let's mm -hmm. say if that makes sense yeah um and so i would i don't have sensation i don't have a lot i've discovered more sensation through my penis Mm -hmm. through like yeah that whole area right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and but at the time not so much and so like we would have sex and he would i would top. And then we'd be done. And I was like, ah, I didn't really feel a time, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I need to start saying like, hey, I would like for this to be like a mutually enjoyable experience. And for me, that means that I need some time on my neck and ears. Yeah. And I know that's probably atypical and not going to make sense, but like we can totally enjoy the traditional kind of sex. And I need this added because yeah. I really want to lay feeling. Good for you. Yeah.
0: Fuck yeah. I also just want everyone in the world to be able to say that and to be able to like communicate it with partners and yes. then the how because I think there are many of us that can't or don't or I know mm-hmm. I still experience shame and particularly since having this podcast, I, you know, I broke up with a partner of two years mm. in June for good. Mm-hmm. And and that was such a huge experience for me and in terms of like growth and learning yeah. about myself and being able to communicate explicitly and it's yes. opened up so much for me.
2: Yeah.
0: And... So as I be- started dating again, I have, I'm wrapped up in shame every time I can't communicate something or, don't, or I'm not able to yeah. figure it out. And yeah. so, then, so I, that is so deeply inspiring to me. Yeah, yeah,
1: no, I'm so glad. And I have a belief about disability and sex. Mm-hmm. And it is that disability and understanding and learning about like, disabled sex mm-hmm. is so informative to able-bodied sex. Because things don't always work in this stereotypical way. Yes. You can't, you know, say A plus B equals C anymore. No. And so I learned that I had to come into this saying, this is how things generally work for me. I don't know if it's going to be the same every time. Yeah. But... Are you comfortable with me vocalizing to you what works and doesn't work? I would just, like, bring that from the very beginning. That's
0: amazing. That is such a good script to practice, too.
1: And then I don't even have to worry about it in the zone because I've already said, hey, is it okay? Can we, like, communicate through this? Yeah. And if a person wanted, like, a get-in, get-off, get-out experience, then I'm not the one to have that with. No. Nor do I want
0: that. I also think those are boring in general. They're so boring. I think it's so boring. Yeah. And I want more. Yeah. Because we can have physical pleasure, but it's like, it's, even if you never see that person again, I believe it's more interesting when you're actually like connected to the person being like this thing, this thing, this thing, what about that? And then you're exploring and discovering. And I also, my experience with men and I'm making a generalization, but my experience is they don't touch me enough. Like Mm -hmm. I, I have a large capacity to be touched, but it's like. Not even just in private parts, like just in general. And I think that's such a missed opportunity because I think humans love skin-to-skin contact Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. So I am on board with this mission.
1: Yeah, me and my current boyfriend have a rule that is you get to ask for anything you want. You can Mm. make any request and then it falls on the other person to um, meet the request or not. And nothing is taken personally. That's beautiful. But you get to ask for anything you want and i just always take them up i'm like will you just lay on top of me
0: i love or like
1: will will you just touch me in this or that way or will you put your leg between mine or will you like exactly explicitly what i need or want amazing yeah
0: something i discovered recently about myself is so i identify as submissive kinky i also Mm -hmm. enjoy vanilla sex like i love touches (laughs) of all kinds um by most people if it's consensual but that includes like if a stranger on the street is like can i pet your head i'm like please you <laughs> i know? know the same way and, and so it's like, totally. like don't don't cross my back like ask yes but then i'm probably going to say yes because i love being touched yes and so i have a problem asking for what i want because what gets stuck in my brain i start to loop on they're only doing this because i asked they don't enjoy this oh my god and then yeah. i devolve into an anxiety spiral mm-hmm. which then like as I'm devolving into that anxiety spiral I feel shame about it so it's totally. like these meta judgments yeah, yeah. but that's such a good clear frame that to me sounds full of joy and exploration and like mutual connection yes. and fun it's playful like it's yes. play to yes. lay on your partner sounds so fun it's
1: <laughs> just like I need all the body weight please yeah I yeah no no it's exactly what you said and at first I wanted my partner and even like my current boyfriend to just like be this quote unquote perfect match. Mm. Like what he wants is what I want. And what, oh my God. I'm that person what too. Works for like, can we be
0: exactly the same yes. or compatible perfect? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. yes.
1: So like I love nipples. Mm. <laughs> I, have, I, I do. I love them. I love playing with them like in terms of like intimately yeah. and that whole thing. And I've yeah. learned that if they're not into it and it doesn't come naturally that It's okay for me to still ask for it. Yeah. And I have decided to frame it as like a greater expression of connection and or love, depending on the situation, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When someone is willing to meet a request because you asked for it. Yeah. And so I have decided that that is incredibly meaningful rather than thinking, oh, if, if they don't do it naturally, then it's disingenuous
0: that is such a good point and rings so true for me based on my own personal experience because I think about everything I explored with my ex master it was all very brand new to me mm-hmm. and listeners have heard me talk about anal sex a lot for myself it took me nine months to get to an orgasm, and so it was just this thing where I was like oh no nothing but I was so deeply aroused because he was aroused, yeah. and so it was this responsive desire that grew into my own preference. Now that mm-hmm. I can take, yeah, away. yeah, yeah. And so yeah it's totally. like the the flexible nature of our sexual beings is, mm-hmm. and the discovery of that I think is yeah. glorious. No, it's
1: exa- exactly right, and there are other things that I'm willing to do or participate in that aren't generally the thing that I think is the sexiest. Mm-hmm. And so you know, like like a massage. Mm-hmm could be considered more like cuddly, less sexy, but you know, sometimes that's the request. Yeah. And so it's like, that doesn't land for me in the same way. And if it lands for you that way, I'm totally in this to, to take you where you need to be. Like, Amazing. you know, like sexually in, in terms of like pleasure, right?
0: If in a hypothetical situation, we were to collaborate, my day job is a photographer. I am a photographer yeah. by, by day. If we were to collaborate, on a persons with disabilities sexy calendar, mm-hmm. would you want to be in it? What month would you want to be, and what organization would you want proceeds to go to? Oh wow! Oh <laughs> not not necessarily fully nude, just like sensual, like very you know.
1: Yeah, no, perfect. Cause that's on my bucket list. <laughs> Is it? Yes. Let's do it. I think anyone who follows my Instagram knows that I have this kind of openness about my body. Yeah. And I have some things that are semi-nude on there.
0: Yes, it's much easier for men to be shirtless. <laughs>
1: yes. Yes, totally. And I'm shirtless I doesn't my, on my head Oh yeah. Part of that. Um, but yeah, definitely I have a lot of shirtlessness on there. <laughs> or like in my stories, I oh, I have some stuff in underwear. <laughs> because I value that and I yeah. really value elevating the sexual experience of people with disabilities. Yes. Like the conversation around disability and sex is that like disabled people don't have sex or that they don't have sex in the same way or it's not as, you know, meaningful. Yeah. And I had to combat that. And so I'm so interested in being a part of that conversation. That's why I wanted to be on this podcast. Yeah. It's why I will absolutely do a photo shoot What with month you would you want to be? In sept- for September. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I would love that. Yeah, I think September would be great. And maybe the Christopher Reeve Foundation mm-hmm. for spinal cord injury great. would be a great place for the proceeds to go. And I want to change the conversation around um, disability that we're having nationally, at least, yes. or globally. Yeah. I had so many moments when I was exploring mm-hmm. and when I had to communicate and when someone had to be vulnerable with me and not just do the a plus b equals c right. version, right? But I had to do like q plus k equals y or something, yes. <laughs> and it was such a new experience for them. I had so many people tell me that it was the most fulfilling or the most or the sexiest, and I'm not I'm trying to brag or anything, no, no, but no. like the feedback was this was one of the best sexual experiences I've had. Wow. Um, and I attribute that to the way that we were forced to communicate yes. if I was going to participate.
0: It sounds, if I'm hearing correctly, it sounds like it has to include vulnerability on to. both sides. It has to, yeah. yeah.
1: And I get that that's not always safe for some people because I hear they that. just yeah. want to have something that's predictable. They don't want to connect emotionally, and that's fine. Yeah. But for me. You know, it required me getting vulnerable. And it also required them saying, like this? Yeah. Like this? Does that yeah. work? Is that right? Uh, what else? You know? And, yeah. And I'd say, okay, and do more direction. And then, like, oh, yes, that's perfect. Okay, just, like, stay there. Or, Did you
0: ever have partners get upset when you were redirecting? Or was it pretty open and clear?
1: No. Okay. Yeah, it was always... But, I, again, I almost always set the stage so that yeah. there was never Beautiful. a surprise moment. I was just, like, I'm going to need to probably direct to you so because it's not always predictable for me yeah. like what happened last time might not happen this time but that's how it is with all sex yeah
0: I think you're right about yeah it, it, it is totally unpredictable
1: I know that I'm in the habit of uh
0: like feeling shame when I'm not the normal thing and so I don't yeah. always communicate about it and so that is literally what I'm trying to change because yeah. I do believe we will all have better lives and live in a better world if we are sexually fulfilled yes. I, I genuinely believe that yes me if too if we can, if we can un- a... unlock the shame
1: yeah, it's a spiritual part of my journey for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I want people to know based off my experience, right, if I could, like, shake it, like the world would be like, listen to me about sex. <laughs> yeah. Yes, what, please. What go. I want to say is is that um, sex can look like a million things. And it doesn't always include the parts you think it will include. It can include none of the parts you think it will include. It can include things that don't seem sexual. And it it just can't take this predictable form. And spinal cord injury forced me to learn that. Yeah. And it has forced my partners to learn that. But I think that our experience is so much more enriched because exploration and discovery mean you can always win. You know? Yes. There's not There's not a goal. Yes. If there's a goal you just can't discover in the same way. Yes. You know? Yes. If you hit climax and if there's ejaculation and orgasm or if there's whatever, awesome. And if there's not, it can still be the most fulfilling, the most mind-blowing, or the most meaningful sexual experience. Yeah. You know? Beautiful. I, yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) What hopes do you have for your sexual self going forward?
1: Mm. (sighs) Hmm. I, lo- I mean I, I like to explore so much yeah. I like a lot of variation and so I continue to learn with my boyfriend about new things that work I want to explore more I recently discovered a little bit more sensation in like my junk mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um oh here's a good one I really Really, I'm working on trying new positions cool. where I can actively top. Like, okay, so listen, I don't have any abdominal strength, right. I have no back strength, I have no hip strength. Like, I cannot thrust from my hips where it <laughs> originates in my hips. Right. But I am in the process. <laughs> And this is tricky because it's like holding a plank. Like, as long as you can hold a plank, you can try this. And so after, like, a minute, I'm like, we have to do this the other time. I can't hold myself up anymore. Yeah. But trying new positions where I can, like, actively talk has been so fun. That's awesome. And so empowering. And I I feel like, I feel like. That's awesome. Just, like, a rock star, you know? So, like like, doing that more perfecting it yeah (laughs) because it's just it takes like just the right angles in terms of like where I place my paralyzed body because I have to kind of anchor points yep right totally yeah and so it's kind of like this balance game where I can maximize the function of my shoulders and arms in terms of pulling myself in or pushing away yeah so so that's on the list and then I have more to explore in terms of sensation as a bottom, for sure. Cool. And around that area, because I think there's some untapped uh, possibilities and potential through there, for sure.
0: Can I ask you a sex question that's related to Mormonism? Yeah. And just tell me if it's very offensive. (laughs) Okay. So I grew up with a few Mormon friends, and they would always tell me about soaking, which they explained to me as something that happens in the Mormon church where people are like putting it in but as long as there's no thrusting or like and then they stay inside the woman Uh until the man either becomes flaccid or just ejaculates but the key is there's no thrusting have you ever heard of that because I am strangely aroused by it and have asked past boyfriends to do it with me and I just find it like a hilarious sensation is that a thing
1: I actually don't know, and it's okay. possible because I just didn't participate in the heteronormative okay. community. Like, fair, you fair. Know what I mean? So no, okay. like, I don't know about Because
0: <laughs> I always was like, I think they're lying to me, and I just don't know.
1: Like, no, no, I- it's very possible. So there are like <laughs> variations of that kind of thing where, you know, in order to remain within the bounds of certain commandments mm-hmm. that you can get very very close to sex without sex okay. or like you can almost like like if you just don't climax then you right. don't have to quite be accountable for like the whole thing
0: <laughs> okay and
1: so there's a lot of like lying yeah there. we find our gray <laughs> yes
0: is there anything else you want to say about your sexual self
1: oh, or just anything in general yeah i think that i would just say that i still continue to you know this podcast started i mean this episode me talking was so much about like my faith and so much about shame and mm-hmm. i still navigate that mm-hmm. and constantly push back against that right like especially as a disabled person i have what people sometimes consider to be a, an inspiring presence on social media mm-hmm. or people with disabilities can be Yeah. Like used as inspiration porn Mm -hmm. and our sexual identities are forgotten. Yeah. And so sometimes I still feel shame about that. You know, I I still feel shame about showing up as a sexual being Mm -hmm. because I think, oh, well, maybe this is incongruent with what people expect of me. Maybe it's incongruent with like what I grew up with, like needing to be this wholesome individual that just didn't experience gayness or gay sexuality Mm -hmm. in So it's still so much a process for me, and I'm still committed to integrating that piece into my life in a healthy way, Mm -hmm. even like as a professional moving forward. I have felt shame for so many different pieces of myself for so long Mm -hmm. that I don't want to put any other piece of myself in the closet Mm -hmm. because of shame. And so I'm committed to continuing kind of the conversation about sexualizing disabled people in a good, healthy way. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: And lastly, if you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what would you say and what age would you pick?
1: Oh, man. But they're going to be, he's going to be in the same space, right? In terms of like... You can answer
0: it different, multiple ways if you you like. Okay. Yeah.
1: One way I would answer it is I'd love to go back in time and kind of just like put my brain back in young Carson's brain and be like look, it's all good. Like, you can have boy crushes, you can have a boyfriend, you can experience all of these things as, like, a healthy young person. Do it now. Yeah. Like, like have that experience. Live, spend your time developing yourself as a human being in that way instead of in fear and in regret and shame. So I, I w- would do that. Mm-hmm. But knowing that I could never have gotten through to myself right in that way I would say I'm taking this question very literally No that's, no
0: that's great I, <laughs> and I think all answers are valid and I think multiple answers are great too yeah
1: I would also say a to so just like be gentle. Mm-hmm. be gentle with yourself and the guilt and the shame and none of this is as grave or matters in the way you think it does And so while you figure things out, don't beat yourself up too much. Be gentle with yourself. Forgive yourself. Beautiful. Yeah.
0: Where can people find you on the internet?
1: Okay. People can find me on, I, I'm mostly on Instagram mm-hmm. with Carson, C A R S O N underscore, and then my last name, TULER, which is T U E L L E R.
0: And Sex Stories Pod and my account follow him so you can go find him there too. If you have a hard time with spelling,
1: oh, so, yeah. And then same for same um, on Twitter and Great. Facebook. It's just my name. So. Yeah.
0: and he's he writes beautiful posts. So go
2: check him out.